I would invite you to take your Bibles and one more time turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Anticipation. I think that's the best word to describe the attitude that so many have going into this week. Anticipating. For some, it's the anticipation of seeing a loved one that you haven't seen in a while. Maybe even a year or so. For some, it's the anticipation of discovering what is in that package that you weren't expecting. For still others, it's the anticipation of maybe a big meal celebrating with family and friends. Maybe it's a tradition you've come to love and you're anticipating participating in that tradition again. But anticipation can also lead to anxiety. For some, it's already been the anxiety of do we travel or do we stay home due to COVID? What do we do? I have been in communication with several missionaries, several missionary kids, and they're all anxious about their COVID tests so that they can maybe go home and see family. We have to remember that for our missionary kids, the United States of America is their passport country, but the place where they grew up is their home, and they want to be there. Add to that. If you choose to get together, there are potential other stressors. For some, it's how do I juggle that time with the kids, spent with the kids, so that my ex-spouse doesn't feel cheated and doesn't feel like they got, I got more time than they did. For some, that anxiety is that hole in your heart. As you look at the empty chair, that was filled just last Christmas by someone that you love. But this year, while you know they celebrate Christmas in heaven with Jesus, you miss them. And you miss them badly. Some are just hoping that there will be civility when we get together at Christmas this year. And yet, preparing to wade in and be the referee if need be, and the peacemaker. Today is the Sunday of love, but our passage is going to talk about peace. And yet when I think of love, I think of things like harmony and peace. I think love and peace really do go together. Peace. Isn't that another thing that this season is supposed to be about? Where do we find peace? Some have tried to find peace in social standing, the right clothes, the right pursuits. If I just get the job I want, then I'll be at peace. If I can just get the car I want, then I'll be at peace. But the fact is, we keep searching for peace because peace is never found in the externals of life. And we watch these commercials on TV, these luxury car commercials, and 
where one spouse surprises the other with a fully loaded brand new vehicle in their driveway with a bow on top. They look so peaceful and so happy and so satisfied. I know what would happen in my house if there was a brand new car with a bow on top. My wife would come out and the kids are all there, yay! And my wife would be having this grin saying, how are we going to pay for this? You know? I can imagine, we don't get to see in those houses on TV when they go back inside and the wife looks at the husband and goes, what? Did you rob a bank? How are we going to afford this? No, it's all an illusion. Peace has got to be more than feeling good, looking good, smelling good. One of my favorite stories from history tells about an unofficial truce. In fact, they made a movie about it several years ago in 1914. In the middle of World War I, starting on Christmas Eve, in the trenches in France, British soldiers, soldiers on this side, German soldiers on this side, the no man's land of several hundred yards in between, and as night fell, some of the German soldiers began to sing Christmas carols. Still a night, silent night. And the British soldiers would return with another Christmas carol, and they would sing carols back and forth all night long. They, they tell us that some of the guys that had instruments got out and actually formed a, an impromptu brass band that would play carols back and forth. On Christmas Day, as the sun peeked over the horizon, some of the German soldiers emerged from their trenches. The British soldiers all picked up their guns. They were ready. This could be a surprise attack. But, but in the early morning light, in the dawn, as they looked out across that area that was called the no man's land, they realized the German soldiers weren't carrying any weapons. And they came across, and as they got closer, they could hear them in their broken English saying, Merry Christmas. British soldiers began to come out, and, and the Allied soldiers, and, and they, they shed their weapons. They left them back in the trenches, and, and they came out, and they exchanged the gifts that they had, maybe some plum pudding and a few cigarettes. It's documented that a couple of good-natured soccer games did break out that day. And all of Christmas Day, these enemy soldiers were together in peace. And as the sun set on Christmas Day, they went back to their trenches. And the next day, they were shooting at each other again and attacking one another. In, in, some, and, and, in fact, historians tell us that never again from that point on was there ever a ceasefire on Christmas and a gathering like that on that scale. We read of little stories of people getting together, but on that scale, that size, didn't happen again. In some parts of our world yet today, there are soldiers armed to the hilt patrolling the streets, and we call them peacekeepers. Doesn't it seem odd that we think we need to keep the peace with an M4 carbine rifle or an AK-47? That's not peace. 
I submit to you this morning that true peace will never be found in political solutions, material possessions, or demilitarized zones. Peace begins in the heart. And it begins with a true heart relationship. When he wrote, some 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah longed for peace. Isaiah had lived in a time where his country was very strong militarily and economically. The late king Uzziah was a good man and he was well established on the throne and he reigned for many years and he, he built up the nation in some good ways and his, grand, his son took over. He, wasn't, he was still a good man but not as strong as his father. But now when Isaiah is writing and when we're dealing with it here, the grandson of Uzziah, a man by the name of Ahaz, is on the throne. Ahaz did not follow God. Ahaz followed himself what he wanted the enemies that had once been subdued by Uzziah were now flexing their muscles again the current world power Assyria who had kind of largely ignored Judah was beginning to take a new look at Judah oh there was a bit of a peace but it was a shaky peace and Isaiah was God's man to point God's people to a time when God would literally physically and personally invade this planet. Isaiah sought to describe the character and mission of God who would visit our planet. So in Isaiah 9, he tells us about the one who would come. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will shoulder the responsibility. And we've already seen his name. It would be called Wonderful Counselor. He fully understands us and he's able to do great things in us and through us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, strong, warrior-like, yet God fully knowing us and knowing who we are. A God who would fight for true justice. Everlasting Father. Totally self-existent and yet at the same time possessing all of the best ideal qualities that we hear about, that we long for in a dad. This is the one Isaiah saw. This is the one he saw who was born in Bethlehem, and we know him to be Jesus. Today, we look at that final description. We look at one who is able to make a difference we look at one who is positioned to make a difference. We look at one who is in the perfect position to give us true peace. Prince of Peace. Remember we said each of the words have both a human and a divine quality. The word prince, we, we know that word, that's the son of the king, right? And as a prince, the one to come is positioned to make a difference. As prince, he is positioned to make a difference. He's in the right place, in the right position, in the right role to make a difference. The word that Isaiah used that we've translated prince is a word that speaks of leadership. It was used for royalty, we know that, but it was also used to indicate sometimes the captain of an army or a chief or a personal represent, representative of the king, a leader, 
All of those things are bound up in that particular term. Everything about the one to come spoke of his divine leadership. So we see in the New Testament, Matthew 1, when the angel spoke to Joseph centuries later, and he quoted Isaiah 7, 14, he said that the one to come would be Emmanuel, God with us. When, when we see a angel Gabriel's words to Mary in Luke chapter 1, reflecting the fact that this one would reign over the house of David forever, he's a prince in line for the throne. The baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas was, is a prince. And what God did for the people is he uniquely showed them the royal lineage of Jesus. You see, it's not just Isaiah said, Prince of Peace, and that's it. God went ahead throughout time in history and showed anyone who would take note that what Isaiah prophesied was true. So in Matthew's gospel, we have the genealogy of Jesus. you got to remember, genealogies were so important. So important. And so... In in verse 2, we see Jesus would come from the line of Abraham. That was his Jewish heritage that was not in question. In verse 6, this one to come would be from the line of David, so his royal heritage is not in question. And so legally, royally, Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David because he is the prince. Luke, though, gives another genealogy, and Luke's genealogy goes in a different way. And he traces the the lineage of Jesus through Joseph and Mary back to God himself. He's authenticated as the Son of God. What all that means is simply this. No matter how you slice it, Jesus is due the rightful place of leadership in your life and mine. Remember that phrase, the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be the one who one day will reign on high, and we are in the position now of choosing him. You see, it's not a matter of where or when Jesus will reign in the future. The real question is, is Jesus reigning in your life today? Is he the prince of your life today? Is he the one you follow today? You see, if you know Jesus Christ today as your personal Savior, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried and rose on the third day, if you have come to him and you have confessed that you need him in your life, that you're a sinner and you seek his forgiveness and you invite him to be the forgiver and leader of your life, the cool thing about all of that is not only does he come into your life, not only does he forgive you, but you get adopted into the royal family. You are royalty if you know Jesus. You have the rights and privileges of royalty. You are under the protection of the throne. You have the privilege of approaching the throne at any time to seek help and guidance. That's what Hebrews 4.16 says. We have confidence to enter the throne of grace. Confidence. Yeah, I think back... uh, they're all grown now, but uh, you know, when my kids were younger, uh, anybody, both this church and the other church where we served, if my door is closed, 
most anybody comes and they knock on the door and wait for me to answer. It's the polite thing to do. My kids, they didn't, that's dad's office. I mean, it was, in their mind, it was their office too. You know, in fact, one of my daughters said, I may have to marry a pastor because I'm so used to walking into the pastor's office. And she said, I could, I could see myself at some church walking in and go, oh, I'm sorry, I just came in for a mint. They're usually over here on the right side of the drawer. You know, why? Because they're my kids. They had, they had a privilege that not everybody had. But see, when we're adopted into God's family because of the prince who has adopted us, we can run up to the throne room of grace anytime we want. And we find a welcome there. We find an open arm. In the ancient world, you didn't go up to a king's throne unless you had been invited. And, and then, and we see it in the book of Esther in the Old Testament, in, in that realm where she was at, even if you went in uninvited and the king, if he didn't reach his scepter out to greet you, you're done, you're gone, you're neutralized, you're eliminated, you're a, a hyphen in history now, you're gone. We have confidence because of the prince. But not only is he royal, he gives us what we long for the most. You see, as the prince of peace, he's able to give us calm assurance, and completeness. As we've already stated, peace, it seems so elusive. Talk to our Native American friends. Talk to them about peace. And they can share with you hundreds of peace treaties that have been broken. Look at the peace initiatives and peace accords and peace agreements that have been made throughout history and most of them have barely lasted the time it took to dry on the document. The word that's translated peace in this passage, Prince of Peace, is a very familiar Hebrew word. It's probably one of the Hebrew words that many people know. It's the word shalom. In human relationships, it means the absence of strife, a wholeness, or a harmony. In the divine dimension, it reflects the result of God acting according to his covenant promise. It's the result of God's righteousness for the individual. It reflects a calmness and a rest when one is fully aware of God's presence and is in right standing with God. Shalom, peace, wholeness, harmony. He is the prince of peace. He is the prince of shalom. How do we have peace? How do we have real peace? Some will tell you, well, you, you get real peace when you stop and you get quiet and you look deep into yourself. But that deep look doesn't heal the wounds from my childhood. That deep look doesn't fix my personal failures or give me even a second chance at them. That deep look doesn't bring me any assurance that the new year will bring more work or better work or work at all. I want to submit to you this morning that real peace is found only in relationship and only in a specific relationship. 
relationship with the Prince of Peace. Another way to say it is the Prince whose domain is peace. And the Prince whose domain is peace offers you his peace. And what I want to do this morning as as we kind of bring this to a a conclusion, this series, is I want to consider some statements surrounding the person of Jesus. Most of those are going to come from the New Testament. But I want you to see the emphasis. And the first one begins in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 to 79. An old man. A man who thought he could never have children. A man who had served God as a priest all of his life, named Zechariah, is told he's going to have a son in his old age, and he's not going to name the son Zechariah. He's going to name him John. That son would grow up to be John the Baptist. And on the morning in which John was born, on they came to several days later to name him Zechariah because he would not believe the angel Gabriel was not able to speak. I, I also believe those things he couldn't speak or hear. He was told he just they shut him down. And on that day, everything was open, and he expressed praise to God, and he said a blessing to his son. And in these few verses, he says, And you, my child, speaking of John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. John, you're going to lead the way, prepare the way for the Son of Righteousness. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Hark the herald angels sing. Hail the Son of Righteousness with healing in His wings. That's Jesus. And what's He going to bring? He's going to guide our feet into the path of peace. That army of angels that we'll celebrate Christmas Eve. By the way, Christmas Eve is Friday. We're here at 5 o'clock online, in person, for a Christmas Eve service. Luke 2.14, after the announcement of the angels, there's an army of angels that join them, and they say loudly, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Shalom. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. On that night, which Jesus was betrayed, he spent a lot of time talking to his disciples about what was to come. Most of that is recorded in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this to his disciples and to you and me. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You see, the world's peace is often conditional. The world's peace is often circumstantial driven. And Jesus said, I'm giving you a different peace. It's a peace of the heart. It's a peace of the soul. It's my peace. It's the, the peace of who, of who I am. The Prince of Peace gives us his peace. 
And he would back that up just a few minutes later in John 16, 33. And he would say, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That word trouble, it's a word that you could translate pressure. You could translate it distress. You could translate it hardship. Many years ago, uh, M. Scott Peck wrote a book, and it begins with, Life is hard. It is. Jesus said, I, I give you peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. You'll have hardship. You'll have struggle. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, only Jesus offers me the peace that will enable me to handle the pressure of this world. The Apostle Paul would write in Romans 5.1, Therefore, and that therefore looks back to all that he's written about where the world is and, and how God has chosen, uh, the, uh, chosen Abraham and through him Jesus and salvation. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you and I can have peace in our relationship with God is through Jesus. I could go on and on. There's over 70 times we're going to find the term peace used in the New Testament. We find that that Old Testament term of shalom, that perfect harmony, is reflected in the term that the New Testament uses for peace. Let me just leave you with one, one more. Because we begin talking about anxiety and anticipation, I don't have to worry about my circumstances. Now, that in no way, shape, or form means to minimize your circumstances. Some of us are facing very difficult circumstances, and they are hard, and we don't know which way to turn. And Sometimes they bring confusion, but, but I can trust God in the middle of my circumstances, Paul would write very familiar verses to some in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We have confidence to approach the throne of God so that no matter what we're facing, we can tell God about it. He wants us to do that. He wants us to tell him about our struggles. He wants us to tell him about our frustrations. He wants us to tell him about our anxieties. He wants us to express it. And he makes a promise that when we do that, there's going to be a response. Not the response that makes them all go away. It's not like when I pour out my heart to God, he takes a giant eraser and goes... Whoop, I'm taking all your problems away. No, it's even deeper than that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't ask me to explain to you the peace of God. I can't do it because it transcends it's above all understanding but i can tell you this in the midst of difficult times i have sat with people whose lives are awful and there is a depth of serenity in them that only comes from god 
the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. The two places we need guarded most. My heart is technically my emotions. My minds are my thoughts. Anxiety and anticipation come from the emotions and the thoughts. I worry about stuff. What about this? What about that? What if? What if? What if? What if? And I need to learn to put the what ifs away because the Prince of Peace indwells me. The peace that Jesus offers begins in the heart. It's the peace of relationship. The best way I can describe it, it might be the peace that some of us felt as a young child. Maybe you were entering a very dark room. And maybe mom and dad were with you. And in that moment, you reached up and you felt for and you held on to their hand. And as you held on to their hand, you sensed that security, that feeling, it's going to be okay. It didn't turn the light on when you held on to their hand, but it gave you an assurance that mom is there, that dad is there, it's going to be okay. It calmed the fear in your heart. Embracing the Prince of Peace may not change your circumstances, but He will calm your heart and He will give you what what you need in the moment to navigate the next step. Do you know the Prince of Peace today? The Prince of Peace offers Himself to you. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Only the Prince of Peace can lead you to the God of Peace. Who can then give you the peace of God. Oh, this is a week of anticipation. When you find that anticipation shifting to anxiety... Take a breath. Invite God's representative, the Prince of Peace, to give you perspective. To remind you that you're not alone. To help you focus on what you know to be true, not on what you fear might happen. And rest in the Prince of Peace and his relationship with you. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he's here for you. And he knows your name. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for these very simple but yet deep reminders. Father, as we enter into to this week, this Christmas week, this week of anticipation, may we keep our focus on the Prince of Peace, on that reminder, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And may we understand the depth of your peace one day at a time, in Jesus' name. Amen.